the word of God. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Our memories are mostly composed of remarkable moments of our lives. In them, we find many joys, but also pain and suffering. As much as we avoid it, sometimes we are revisited with some of those bad memories that bring with them the people involved. When such people have caused our pain, memories have the potential to manifest sadness, indifference, contempt, or hatred. Think for a moment. Who are the people you dislike the most? Who are the people that manifest love would be extremely difficult for you? We may have a long list of good reasons to be indifferent to, to despise, or even love such people. But what is God's will for our lives as his children? To answer this question, let us look again to the text and observe the words of our Savior. When we observe this passage... Here again, Jesus contrasts the falsehood of the scribes and Pharisees with the righteousness of God. You remember that in this sermon, our Lord is just observing the law that God gave to his people and also the distortions from the Pharisees and Sadducees. They brought the tradition and made their tradition more important than the word of God. So Jesus faced all the corruption from the tradition and also reaffirmed the truth in a deeper level. And if we observe the love the Pharisees manifest was far away from the Lord of God, the love of God. In no other respect did their human religious system differ more from the principles of God than in the matter of love. But what was God's principle for his people in the Old Testament? If you observe verse 43, part B say, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. This phrase is part of the tradition that has been adapted According to the phrase from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, when the Lord said to his people, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, 
For you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This was an ordainance repeated in the New Testament. Love for others is demonstrated through real care and care for them. This has always been a divine principle for humanity. In Deuteronomy, the Israelites were instructed to help their countrymen by returning to their owner a lost ox, sheep, ass, or any other animal. If the owner was unknown, they should take care of the animal until the owner is found. But this was not an instruction uh, for God's people, just for their neighbors or close friends. God's people were instructed to do the same with their enemies. In Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5, the Lord said, If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. And this was not a restriction uh, after Moses. God's principle for his people has always been to treat anyone in need as a neighbor. Even before the Mosaic law, the godly Job affirmed that he never rejoiced when misfortune befell his enemies, but he also did well for the strangers or even enemies. As he shares in the chapter 31. If the men of my tent have not said. Who is there that has not been filled with his meat? The sojourner has not longed in the street. I have opened my doors to the traveler. And also in Proverbs. We can read. Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. And who is glad that calamity will not go unpunished. So church, observe that God instructed his people to serve the enemies in need anytime. Whenever an opportunity arises, God's people should manifest care. Once at a church camp, uh, a young lady came to me and Asked, Pastor, if God is, isn't God the judge of all the earth? And I said to her, yes, he is. So, why can't he use me so my enemies pay for the mistakes they made? I can be God's instrument to punish them. Of course, she was in a joking tone. And I just answered her by saying, the answer is in what we do with our children all the time when one brother hits the other. And if you had more than one child, this happened many, many times in your house. So in mine. We generally tell our kids that they don't have the authority to punish each other. If the problem is in the family, the authority is on the parents. 
If the problem happens in the church, the authority is on the elders of the church. If the problem happens in a society, the authority is upon on the different spheres that God established in our government. So God established representatives to exercise justice. This was extremely important at that time because the Israelites in Jesus' day were under the authority and the power of the Roman Empire. And many abuse of power were manifested against God's people. So they were willing to manifest retaliation. And the Lord said, no, you should not do that. And rest in God's sovereign power. And allow that people in charge exercise the authority. But what was specifically the perversion of God's truth by the Jewish tradition regarding love. Love, according to the ancient Jews, should be reserved for those who walk with you. Enemies should be hated. Satan's perversion of the word had a ring of truth which made his lie more acceptable. They kept, the Jews, they kept a part of God's revelation. By saying, loving, loving your neighbor. Faced with such a clear commandment, the rabbi's perversion took place in the face of what was omitted and also added. What was the omission? They omitted the part as thyself. They should love your neighbor as themselves. And it's important to remember, they had a deep knowledge of this principle. The word of God was fully known, but partially taught and practiced. And contradicted by the rabbinical tradition. God's love has been reduced to a humanly acceptable love or level. The scribes and Pharisees knew well how much they loved themselves. They were so proudful. They loved to be praised. They loved to be honored and respected. And this is the profile of the humanity throughout history. Human beings love to be praised for other people. And this was the reality of the people who had the law of God on their hands. But their hearts were far away. So their religious elites not only despised the tax collectors, prostitutes, and adulterers, but also despised simple people like the disciples or those who followed Jesus. This is clear when in the Gospel of John is mentioned what they said. Have any of the authorities of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. The NIV translation used the word this mob. So observe the arrogant teachers of the law. They despised people they considered ignorant about the law. They had no love, no respect 
no consideration. In their own eyes, they were far above almost everyone. And they also perverted the Old Testament teachings by adding, hate your enemies. This was not in the law of God. Nevertheless, to say, Gentiles were not regarded as neighbors. The Pharisees had a saying that if they saw a Gentile drowning, they should not help. They were not neighbors. And believe, they used the law and what God did in the past to excuse themselves. They said, well, in the past the Lord just used Joshua to bring judgment to the Gentile nations like the Canaanites, Midianites, Moabites, and Ammonites. The Lord just killed all of them. But at that time, those nations were wicked people who burned their own children as an offering for false gods. In that specific moment, it was a legal war with legal means as judgment from the Lord to those people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Israel's wars were the only holy wars in history, for they were God's wars against the world of idols. It is one thing to defend the glory of God that is being tarnished, and it is another thing to defend our on human glory. And this was exactly what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. They were not concerned with God's glory. They were concerned with their own glory. We have some good examples of godly men who were concerned with God, with the glory of God and defended the glory of God. Like the King David, In Psalm 139, he says about God's enemies, I hate hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. He's talking about men who mocked God. But in the same psalm, in the following verse, observing the dangerous statement he made regarding hate, he prays. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There is a space to wrath and anger in the Bible. That we call holy wrath. When God manifests his wrath against all the wicked men. And God's people sometimes, with zeal, their hearts can manifest this. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Because the sad realization that we make when we look at the most intimate of our hearts is to recognize that most of the time, Our revolt against other people happens because they hurt our own image. And not the image of God or the glory of God. However, 
When people whom we consider to be neighbors so often dishonor God by their attitudes, in the name of false grace and mercy, we are complacent with error. We pass our hands on their heads as the priest Eli with his son, his sons, and he suffers the, the consequence. So some practical considerations. What do we do or what do we want to achieve when we share our stories with other people? Do we really want to share wisdom or just to be praised like the scribes and Pharisees? If we really want to share wisdom, then let us share not only our stories of glory, but especially our stories of failure, for they we learn from that, and this will keep us humble. Secondly, do we have a higher level of indignation toward people we don't love? So when we see an unknown person that stands against what we like, and mainly it's not against the entire law of God, but one specific commandment that we love, we just are filled with indignation. But do we tend to be complacent to our beloveds and say, well, all of us are sinners and that's okay, so we should not worry about that? How do we behave? Are we upset that God has been dishonored or are we more upset that our pride has been hurt? We should reflect as the religious people in Jesus' day, they did that. But what was the principle of God? Jesus Christ's gaze toward, towards the commandment. So in the verses 44 to 48, we find the deeper New Testament teaching. The meaning of love that God ordained for his people is so profound that even extends to their enemies. As a scholar, William Hendrickson comments, All around Jesus were those walls and fences. He came for the purpose of breaking down those barriers with his love, pure, pleasant, infinite, and divine. He was able to flow straight from the heart of God through his heart into the hearts of men. So the religious Jews, or the religious Jews, Jesus' statement sounded naive or foolish in the extreme. How they could love their enemies, the people who were oppressing them. The people who were not giving them the freedom they should uh, enjoy. But as we can see in the Old Testament principle, already included love for enemies. As Jesus explained in the parable of the Good Samaritan. But the human tendency is to love what we want. What is attractive to us. Hobbies that are fun, cars or houses because they are pleasant. Oh, how we love those stuff. But true love, church, is self-sacrificial. God's love does not translate into 
pleasant feeling that we manifest in favor of someone. It is above all benevolent attitude. The good Samaritan showed great love because he sacrificed convenience, security, and resources for a stranger. Stranger in deep love. Most of you know that the Greek language has four words for love. The first, phylos, is the love of friendship. The second, stork, is the love used for family members. The third, eros, is the sexual love that involves desire. And the fourth is agape. It's the love that involves sacrifice in the face of the needs of the other. Or the others. And this is the love of God. Agape is love that involves action. As the Apostle Paul clearly demonstrates in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Where 15 characteristics of love are given in the verb form. Above all. Agape love is the love that God has. Gives and demonstrates for us. As we find in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides, abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And when Jesus said to his disciples... A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. You remember, he said that when he just washed their feet as an example of humility and sacrificial love. And at that time, the disciples were extremely selfish, contentious, and envious, yet everything Jesus did, he did for their good. So, beloved church, the question is not who to love, but how to love. We must not love only in terms of good feelings and emotions, like Hollywood is teaching us. Not at all. But in terms of service, God's love embraced Wicked nations in the past and in the present. And he loved us when we were still sinners, slaves of sin. In 1576, King Philip II of Spain appointed the Duke of Alba as a governor of the southern part of the country. And this duke was known for his hostility to the Protestants. His council was known as a council of blood, searching Christians to kill. One day, a Christian who was sentenced to death for his faithfulness to the word of God escaped during a bitter winter. And while fleeing, crossed a lake that was with a brittle ice. And when he reached the other side of the lake, he observed that the soldier who was trying to capture him, fall into the uh, ice hole. And he could just keep his way and 
save his life finally. But the love of God that time spoke to his heart and he decided to come back and rescue that man. Many godly men and women of God throughout history behaved in love, not just with neighbors or strangers, but also with enemies, with people who hated the church of Christ. Chrysostom said that prayer is the pinnacle of self-control. Because is this what Jesus said, that we should love our enemies and how we should display love first by praying for them. Putting them in our prayer list. And he keeps saying, it is when we bring our lives into conformity with God's standard as we are able to pray for our persecutors. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor who suffered persecution in Nazi German, and he was killed, wrote of Matthew 5.44, This is the most supreme demand, for through prayer we go to our enemies, stand on their side, and plead with God for their lives. If we observe God's truth, this will be a reality in our lives too. At the beginning of this message, I mentioned how bad memories are capable of bringing with them many terrible feelings toward the people who hurt us in the past and make us sin against God. Let us think about our responsibility in God's eyes to show love to these people. The first step is to pray for them and ask God for their salvation. Think for a moment, church. Who are the people who hurt you the most? When was the last time that we prayed for them with a sincere heart for their transformation, for their salvation? For the good news of Christ, reach their hearts and give them a new heart. Then, if we do that, can we prepare our hearts to tangibly demonstrate love to these people? I'm not suggesting that we should melt in our off good feelings for them, for them. This is not what agape love is about. But having the heart to help whenever it is necessary. I have dozens of personal experiences. Also, our pastor and any single Christian here who is serving the Lord for a good time. Experience of people who we were not willing to serve. People who were not so pleasant. Are friendly, maybe, maybe people who hurt us. And I remember many times struggling and saying, Lord, I don't want to serve this fellow. You know what he did against me and said, and my sinful heart sometimes is struggling within me. But I prayed and said, Lord, out of obedience to you and my love, I will serve. And you know what happened many, many times while I was serving them. The Holy Spirit 
changed my heart. Not just gave me grace to serve, but also changed and removed all the bad feelings or many of the bad feelings that I had and filled with compassion and sometimes with love. This is what we can taste when we serve people. If you are serving the Lord with faithfulness, you will face persecution, trials, and problems. But the grace of God will help all of us to manifest love and mercy against or toward those people who don't love God, who persecute the church, who hate the church. I remember... Many times that the Lord helped me. But maybe you can say, Pastor, I don't have an enemy. I don't hate anybody. I just have good feelings in my heart. But even you, that maybe doesn't have an enemy, you have the opportunity to manifest unconditional love upon those who were despised, and who were objects of the hatred behavior of others. For instance, how many orphans do we have in this country or around the world in need of unconditional love? I remember that on my first missionary trip to India in 2010, we went to visit Mother Teresa's orphanage in Kolkata. And what caught my attention first uh, was that they didn't allow we take pictures or record any social action. I believe they were protecting the kids, but also avoiding self-promotion in the people who were serving there. And our guide was a beautiful 17-year-old young lady who had just embraced celibacy, in order to serve God and serve those kids. And while she was sharing all these stories and showing with excitement to us, I asked her a question. Why did she decide to leave her family and decided of not uh, raise her own family? And with a big smile, she told me, Pastor, Jesus left his glory to love us and save us. So what I'm doing here it just, is just an answer of love. And regarding family, he already gave me a big family. I have many kids here in need of love, of love of a mother. And I can love them with all my heart. We already tasted God's love. And now we are challenged as Christ's church to display this love out of service, care upon anybody in need. As Mother Teresa herself said, not all of us will accomplish great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. You know the challenges that we face. You know our 
stories of life. But we believe, Lord, that your Holy Spirit can heal any hurt heart. Lord, give us the grace to overcome, to overcome anger, hate, to overcome any bad feelings that is disturbing us and not allowing us to serve you and serve anybody around. So, Lord, use your church. Lord, do not allow us to live in a indifference, indifferent behavior. But give us the grace, Lord, to overcome this. All the bad behavior and love anyone in need. These we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.